Clarence, what did I tell you about these people keep stealing my introductions? It's the worst. My first half of my sermon, y'all, can sleep through, apparently. So, because you know everything already. <sighs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So. Yeah, may as well. <laughs> right. All right, folks. So we're going to be starting a new sermon series. We're going to be looking at healing in the Christian tradition. How do we as Christians think about healing? And uh, does it happen? And what does it look like? And, uh, or even if I pray for healing and nothing happens, what then? Or you know, does that mean that you shouldn't have been praying in the first place for healing? Or if that's the case, what's the point of praying anyway? If it, you know, we've taken up some of these questions, some of these types of questions in this sermon series and today. And so, of course... We start off in the book of Job with this passage we read today. And uh, the book of Job, it's this fascinating, uh, so it's an ancient folk tale that the poet has taken and spun into this uh, intricate, nuanced, uh, insightful, almost epic, um, this long series of poems. And as you've never heard before, we start off with Job, who has a great life but then loses it all. He is fabulously wealthy and loses it all. His family dies. Whereas before he was healthy, he becomes sick. (laughs) Never heard that before at all. (laughs) And so these poems in the book are all explaining, uh, in in the heart of the book, it's poetry. It's explaining what, uh, debating really what has happened. Why has this happened to us? And so our friend Job gets into these protracted fights with his friends, uh, so-called friends at least, uh, that say he must have deserved it. And Job's like, no, I didn't. And then taking God to task for punishing him. And this passage today, as we heard, is from the end of the book. So we have suffered through 26 chapters of them arguing back and forth. And we are finally nearing the end of it. And we reach this chapter. And Job is wrestling with those very same types of questions that we are going to be looking at in this series because he's been praying. He's been crying out and trusting that a good God would take care of him and then nothing. And then it's not. He wails out to God as we heard, I cry to you and you didn't answer. I awaited good but evil came. I expected light but gloom arrived. He's been praying for healing, for restoration, for everything to come back to normal, to make sense again, and nothing. He's devastated, right? His world doesn't make sense. The way that he thought about how God works and is in the world relates to humans, all of it just doesn't hold up in the way in the face of what he's experiencing. And so he's asking some of these same questions that we are. All right, I took my chance and I prayed for restoration. Now what? It didn't happen. How do I process this? How do I even begin to think about this theologically? So our first task today is to think a little bit about prayer. What is happening in prayer? 
Uh, because here's the thing. Some of the ways that people have thought about prayer throughout the ages um, and today have, let's say, some difficulties. Uh, because here's, here's one of these common issues. Uh, sometimes prayer uh, is like we have to fill in God. Right? So, oh God, let me share with you uh, the problem and my diagnosis and my solution. Uh, just go ahead and serve it right up to me. Go ahead. Right? And because apparently, I don't know, God doesn't know any of this stuff, so you have to make sure God's in the loop. Um, but look, with this conception of God, ultimately, God ends up being kind of like a genie. And if you've seen Aladdin, you well know right, that genies are basically really slaves to their masters. That's the whole ending of it. I ruined the ending for you, sorry. Um, so that's the ending of Aladdin, right? Sl- genies are basically slaves to their masters. Their master gives them something to do, a wish, and they have to g- make it happen. Magic, literally, right? And see, here's the thing, for some Christians at least, there's this way of thinking like, okay, if you truly pray for something, you will get it. And, and, and this comes up a lot in like prosperity gospel, right? So if you have faith, it'll come to you. But, but it's still seen in other more typical types of Christianity, including ours, and in ways both overt and subtle, right? And so it creates some theological issues because if you pray for something and it doesn't happen, but by golly, like the Bible says, if I pray that the mountain should move and jump into the sea, it's going to happen, Right? And so, if it doesn't happen, ultimately your options to explain it are, A, the Bible's wrong. Well, obviously that's not right. So B, you must not have had enough faith, right? This way of thinking, however, takes off the table various other options, including C, that your faith might have been just fine and God heard your prayer just fine and God decided not to granted and of course uh, of course for most of us it's more subtle than this this it does come up um, but usually we're not necessarily holding on to it that explicitly but frankly there's it's still kind of lurking underneath how we think about prayer how we think about us praying and the issue with it is it ultimately means that you control God It's a formula, right? You pray for something the right way, and it has to happen. God doesn't have any choice, right? God becomes basically a slave to your prescription of the issues and how you think that God should solve them. But instead of thinking of prayer like that, like as if God's a genie, what if you think about prayer in a different way, maybe more of a reorientation or a realignment. See, in prayer, you're resetting in some ways. I mean, so look at our buddy Job from the passage this morning. He had, he had faith just fine. We learned that in the intro. He had faith just fine, was praying just fine about his restoration, but he didn't see anything change because sometimes, as you well know, we pray for stuff and it doesn't happen. Sometimes you're asking for stuff that you just believe, oh, that this, just deeply believe is the just thing to happen. It's the right thing that God should do, and it doesn't happen. But here's here's the thing. Some of the deepest thinkers in our Christian tradition, 
They talk about prayer, much less in terms of a petition of asking God for something. But describe prayer maybe more like communion, that is, uh, the act of communing, the act of being with one another, of being in relationship, of relating with one another and being present with one another. So, I mean, so even if God knows everything that's going on, right, I mean, that's what a lot of Christian tradition says, right? God knows everything. That's fine. We can take that for now. If God knows everything, then that must not be that you're filling in God on the details because God doesn't know it. But prayer, just like any conversation or any relationship, that's not all that's going on is this informational transaction. That's not all that's going on. Because regardless of whether or not that person already, or that party already has that information, in the act of sharing, in the act of asking, in the act of relating, you're opening yourself up. You're making yourself vulnerable. You're sharing those things that you most deeply desire, that are the most important to you, that have been on your mind for the last two days and you just can't get rid of it. Right? That's the stuff of relationships. That's what's inside and what is consuming your life and your thoughts and your heart and your mind. And that, sharing and asking God about that, that's the crux of the issue. That's what brings, that, that's, what, uh, that's what this is all about. And so say I break my foot, right? God, please heal my foot. It's broken. Obviously, God knows this already, right? But it's in the forefront of my mind and concern because my foot's broken. I don't like it at all. And therefore, is part of my existence and part of my relationship with God that wouldn't have been otherwise. It's, it's this very sharing of the fact that I want the healing to happen regardless of the fact that God already knows I sure want my foot to be better. The praying to God, that's the crux of the matter itself. And you know, sometimes like Job, we get frustrated at the lack of response from God or uh, more often at the response that we don't like from God. Stuff that doesn't magically just change and get better. It doesn't magically get healed sometimes. And sometimes, right, it's not even a miracle. It's just plain old how things work nowadays. And so it's doctors and antibiotics and sleep and, you know, whatever. But the prayer is valuable and worthwhile itself. Because in the very act of prayer itself and in the very reaction to if the prayer gets answered or not, we find ourselves drawn closer to God. So as you're looking at your life, your health problems, whatever, indeed, go to God in prayer with it. May you never stop crying out to God, yes, asking for help, asking those things that you want, that you need, yes, but also in sharing that which is most on your heart so that you can be in deeper, ever deeper relationship with God. May it be so.